Hi, I'm Tracy Kitten with Information Security Media Group. I'm speaking with Jane Yao, Senior Vice President at the American Bankers Association. You work in the office of the Chief Economist there at the ABA. You've gone over some survey results that you and I have talked about many times in the past. In fact, the ABA has been doing an account fraud survey for the last 20 years. And something interesting that you've mentioned about the survey results is that when it comes to deposit account fraud, things don't really change that much. We think that we put in new technologies or new solutions. You you mentioned remote deposit capture thinking that was going to solve check fraud, but it really hasn't. This is going back to kind of life cycle situation. When we put up something new, we think it's going to, this time we, we're going to stop fraud. But fraud is pretty soon to figure it out. Initially, because it's a new product, we tend to offer it limited customers and have more controls like daily transaction limits and so forth. Once the product becomes a sort of commodity, I'll put it that way, then you're going to start seeing increased fraudulent activities because the fraudster really wanted to be able to mix in and be easily detectable. From that perspective, whenever we roll out a new product, we do see that kind of cycle repeat itself again and again. Not to completely you know, say that check fraud hasn't declined, because when we look at the different types of fraud, it seems that debit fraud, not surprisingly, has superseded check and online banking fraud. What would you attribute some of the transitions there to? I know we've seen a lot of data breaches and, of course, point of sale compromises that have fueled debit fraud, but why the decrease in online banking and check fraud, for instance? In the online space, well, we had an uptick in fraud uh, in 2012 because of a lot of the commercial account takeover happened at that time, uh, followed by wire or ACH or funds, a large amount of funds out of the account. And uh, banks was caught by surprise a little bit initially, but uh, immediately they put up defenses and also work with their customers to increase controls at the, uh, these businesses and so forth. So we were able to really control the, the uh, laws significantly. So between 2012 and 2014, we saw a big decrease in uh, online banking fraud. Uh, obviously, you know, that's only the, the fraud law side. On the check side, similarly, I think the move to image initially helped a little bit. However, Frost is pretty soon figured out the, the ATM and so forth. RDC, these are channels that they could leverage to deposit fraudulent uh, checks and so forth. So we are seeing an uptick uh, in those type of activities. Um, you know, in the in the check space. What about on the debit fraud side? Now that we're in the process in the U.S. of rolling out EMV, have you seen any leveling out or decrease in debit fraud? Well, uh, we definitely see a kind of a slowdown in counterfeit fraud losses, but an increase in online um, card not present transactions, which is consistent with I think other parts of the world. Right. And so then looking forward, obviously, debit fraud is going to be something that is going to be a concern for banking institutions for quite some time. CNP or card not present fraud, as you mentioned. But something else that I I find interesting is the social engineering piece. So it's not just card data that's being breached in a lot of these uh, data breaches that we've seen. It's also personally identifiable information. And this PII is really helping fraudsters to fraudulently open new accounts. Absolutely. Uh, Frost actually used the uh, breach data so they have more information, uh, you know, when they reach out to the call centers, make the, them sound more legitimate as the real customers and are able to get the last piece of information for them to be able to move funds out of the bank. Uh, I think the challenge for call centers because they also is like a customer facing staff. So there's the customer service balancing fraud and customer service. And sometimes, you know, in order to do a good customer, 
customer, uh, I mean, uh, to improve customer service, they will let the transaction go through or provide the information. But uh, there's bigger consequence because of that. Do you see social engineering still being one of the main challenges that have to be overcome at the call center channel? Well, call center is one of them. We're seeing actually uh, increased act- activity at social media sites as well. Uh, definitely, I think that those activities ultimately will lead to a fraudulent transaction if it's a fraudster behind it. Uh, if we can capture that information and provide some early warning to the account side, I think that's going to be very helpful information. So could you give us an example of how a social media site could be used to perpetrate fraud? Well, for example, they can get a lot of information about the customer or about the company from social media side. And then that when they come converse with the call center or any customer service representative, make them sound more legit. And that's the challenge. And people are very comfortable of putting a lot of information out there that could become you know, good information for fraudsters to take advantage of. Do you think, Jane, that some of the information that's out there on social media sites has helped to fuel some of the CEO or business email compromise attacks that we've seen? Definitely. I think it's being used for that purpose. And I think that's the trend we definitely want to have a good handle on. We don't want that to continue. I think companies are putting up more controls over what's being posted on social media side and monitor the social media sites. And what about banking institutions? What more do you see institutions doing to help address the contact center or call center fraud? I know several institutions install technology-based tools, but it's never one tool will be sufficient. It has to be layered security because, again, this this is a contact center. We don't want to completely stop transactions just because of fraud concerns. So we need to be able to let certain transactions through and yet have the ability to have a second look at those contact centers. Well, Jane, I appreciate it. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. We've just heard from Jane Yao of the American Bankers Association. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tracy Kitten.